Hello, and welcome to the Outlier Podcast, the podcast for everyone who is interested in building better homes. My name is Anthony, and I am the founder and lead designer of Outlier, and I'm passionate about creating beautiful and high-performing homes. I sit down regularly to chat with industry experts to help educate Australians about the potential of creating healthy, comfortable, and energy-efficient homes. Whether you are looking to build your forever home, renovate your existing house, or simply eager to learn more, tune in every month wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you join us on this journey. I have been very fortunate with the journey of this podcast to chat with many experts and knowledgeable people. As new people come to the podcast every week, we want to take all the highlights and helpful information from previous discussions to provide them to you to assist you with your own high-performance home journey. Um, what is the best value for money when you have high performance in mind? So um, how much money should you spend to get the best possible performance? What's the sweet spot from your opinion? Uh, so, so I think at the moment, if you want something that uh, is performing really well, you're really going to notice the difference. Uh, yes, it's going to cost you more. Is it a good investment? Absolutely. When you look at the overall cost of a house, okay, you might pay $20,000 for your basic windows. Is it worth paying 50? Is it worth paying 60? If you're going to live in that house for 10, 20, 30 years, yeah. uh, absolutely. So um, I, I, I think, you know, if, you've, if, if you can afford to actually spend a bit of extra money don't necessarily get the marble bench tops and stuff. Maybe put it into your windows. You could do the bench tops later. That's yeah. much easier to do later. Uh, I would be going with, uh, this sounds a bit biased, obviously. I've been in the industry for so long. I've sold all types of windows except for fiberglass. And I've ended up uh, working in the UPVC window industry because I, I think that the performance of those are fantastic. So I'd start with that with low E, uh, soft coat low E double glaze units uh, and straight away that's a massive difference so if you think about aluminium at a U value of six we're at uh, you know 1.7 to 1.9 yeah. it's a massive difference yeah yeah in our experience that's probably the, the truth for sure I, I um, we've done our research compared to thermally broken aluminium windows the cost the performance values I mean actually just coming from a cost and performance perspective that we've touched on quite a few others today but yeah we, we see UPVC um, as best yeah uh, money for value as far as performance it goes as well so yeah um, I have to agree with that for sure. You'll, you'll see uh, I mean you'll see a lot of uh, variation in performance from thermally broken aluminium products too so so you really need to look at what the numbers are so look at your U value firstly so your insulation value uh, you can find this on the they should have a window energy rating scheme number. Uh, so you can go to the, the WERS website, which is WERS.net, uh, and you, you actually have to have your, your windows energy rated, or you're supposed to, to sell them here in Australia. Uh, it's an Australian value, so you can't compare it to European stuff. The European numbers will be lower than ours uh, because you test uh, or you simulate them under different uh, environmental conditions. So the WERS website's the best one to go to and it will have a listing of all uh, different window types with different glass products in and it'll give you U-value, give you a sole heat gain coefficient, uh, looks at um, light transmission. It also has will have the air infiltration number there. 
I think there's over 250,000 ratings on there. <laughs> wow. So try not to get too confused. Just think about <laughs> your Windows supplier first, who you want to get, and just go straight to them and have a look at all the ratings they have. Yeah. So, you know, that'll vary from uh, 100 to, you know, 10,000, depending on the system supplier and how much stuff they've had simulated. Yeah, you, I imagine Ultimate do some installation as well themselves. So is there anything you'd like to give some advice or maybe just jump into that, that side of it as well with Windows? Yeah, yeah. so if, uh, if you go and spend lots of money on a high-performing window and then you uh, get them delivered to site and get, you know, your frame it or chuck them in here, some of the stuff, stuff I've seen over the years is, is terrible. You know, they've put the windows within half a day. Uh, and you go and pull the architraves off when the house is finished and you can see daylight beside uh, beside the window and to outside. Mm. Once you do that, uh, and I don't have any of the numbers or anything, but I, I've spoken to an expert about, you know, how much uh, performance you lose from just really small gaps around windows. And you, you, you would actually feel it. You could put your hand near the window and you could feel the air coming out. Um, we've got to install them properly. So, you know, they've got to be square, plumb, you know, uh, not racked, making sure they're all working properly. Uh, but then I, I guess Passive House is a good example. You know, there's so much detail put into uh, the taping around the windows uh, to keep any airflow from going through, uh, you know, insulation. When, when we do retrofit stuff as an example, uh, and and retrofit, you know, there's plenty of UPVC guys that just do retrofit. Um, so they'll pull old windows out, and you can. You can see the gaps as soon as you rip the arc off and straight through the brickwork or timberwork, whatever, on the outside. Uh, when the window goes in, they use a lot of foam in retrofit stuff. Uh, so there's actually no air air coming through. Uh, but we, sh we should be taping up to the windows, you know, flashing the windows. Victoria is a really bad example of window installation. You know, I've got thousands of photos of uh, windows thrown into a house, not flashed. You know, okay, it wasn't a big deal years and years ago. Although I'm telling you 30 years ago or 25, 30 years ago, uh, they used to install them properly. They do not now. Uh, don't flash them. So it's not only about air leakage, it's about water penetration. Mm. And and it was okay for a while because everything we were doing was brick veneer, but as soon as you get to lightweight, uh, the amount of damage that is caused by water penetration around the outside of a window because they're not flashed and you can't just... Um, you can't just, uh, you know, cork up around the outside and think that's going to last forever because it certainly doesn't. Uh, they need to be flashed properly. Um, you know, I've, I've seen cork cases where, you know, it was $30,000 worth of windows, but the cork case costs $250,000 because of the damage the water's caused. Mm. And and people are trying to point the finger at the window, guys, your window leaks, so it's got nothing to do with the window. It's coming around the outside. Yeah. So it's about... It's about sealing around properly. It's about flashing them properly. Just from your perspective, um, how important are windows compared to um, the overall thermal performance of a house and especially insulation? Uh, so, so in a new house, insulation is obviously pretty easy to do, so you wouldn't not do it. And, and cost-wise, it's pretty good too. It's not, not too expensive. Yeah. Uh, but even an uninsulated brick veneer wall, 
compared to a single glazed window is uh, is so much better uh, thermal performance wise. You yep. could put uh, double glazed into um, an uninsulated brick veneer wall and it'll make a big difference because yep. it's still the real weak point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I can't um, stress this enough. Like windows are the weakest point of the thermal envelope of a building by, by far. If you were to translate that to an R value, just to compare it directly against your insulation bats, which we typically use in the wall ceiling, um, it, it's going to be just a fraction of what that R value or the, the insulation is, even in a 90 mil stud wall, typical 90 mil stud wall. So, yeah, critical that um, you put as much money as your budget allows towards those windows. So how have you overcome um, maybe the challenges of imp like having European-style windows into the Australian market? Yeah, so, so not an easy transition because, uh, you know, our, our, our industry is used to just getting whether it's a timber window or an aluminium. Your aluminium's got timber reveals and your timber, you just, you know, nail through it or screw through it uh, into the frame to fix it. Uh, whereas the, uh, the European-type window came with nothing. And so, well, how do we fit this thing? Oh, no, that's too hard. We don't want to do it. Uh, so so uh, what we did... Uh, and, and I'm sure other companies have too, uh, is we designed uh, uh, basically a little extrusion that clips into the outside of the UPVC frame. So it's actually like the fin on an aluminium window, uh, although it's not aluminium, and we actually fit reveals. We can, well, we can do it that way. And, and most of what we do, it has a timber reveal. So, so they're actually the same to fit as as any other window, so, so that's one point. But you could do it the other way. That a lot of the passive house stuff we don't uh, we don't put any reveals on, so they follow the European methods. But for standard type building, yeah, we've got a timber reveal. So you know, like aluminium, a stepped stepped reveal. Uh, I, I guess the other thing with European design windows that they can't have bugs over there. I, I don't understand. <laughs> Um, because screenings was not an issue and there was actually nowhere to screen lots of these systems. And so, you know, the initial early guys that got into UPVC, they, they were doing retractable screens and stuff like that. But compared to a, a standard $60 fly screen that you put on other windows, you know, people look at that and go, well, like, no, I, I don't like it or it's too expensive or whatever. Uh, what we did is, um, is developed an integrated screen system for uh, for uh, awning, casement, tilt and turn uh, and sliding doors. So we have standards. We supply fly screens with every window we sell because it's our own little uh, integrated screen section. So it's like any other window here in Australia. Tilt and turn's the other one, like as an opening. So we have different opening types. Most common here in Australia, you know, sliding, awning, casement, uh, double hung in older buildings. I don't think we sell too much double hung anymore. Uh, tilt and turn, well, that's that's really weird. Hang on, this stuff opens to the inside. I mean, it's fantastic. It's multi-point locking. It's double sealed. And the Europeans didn't worry about casement and awnings in the early days. No, that's too hard, and we just use tilt and turn. But we actually haven't designed houses around that, although people are now. <clears throat> uh because the system's, you know, working to the inside. So so we 
what the Europeans did is actually developed with all the same uh, components, so the frame and the sash system and all that's all the same, but they developed the awning and they developed the casement. We don't do double hung because you just can't get a good enough seal on a double hung. Uh, and our awning and casement are all multi-point locking as well, so they have, compared to a normal, you know, wind-out timber window, a wind-out uh, UPVC window that we supply has also has two... Uh, I guess, locking points either side of the sash, depending on the height, whether we need more, which actually pulls the sash in onto the seal. So you've got the dual seal, one on the sash, one on the frame, and pulls it in and locks it in. So it's multi-point locking, like the tilt and turn, and casement likewise. So winder, integrated screen, uh, two locking points on the, you know, obviously the opening side of the, the sash. When you wind it in and close it, you then pull those two locks down and it and it pulls the sash in and locks it into the frame. Yeah. So they've 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 adapted, you know, opening types and we here have adapted and done stuff like the reveal and the uh, and the fly screens. I, uh, maybe you could just quickly touch on that, Gary, like the importance or, or the difference of multi, what multi-locking is. So if we compare it against a standard awning window, aluminium single glaze awning window, you know, we've got the winder. Yeah. That's the locking mechanism. That's all there is, right? That pulls that in. Correct. So that pulls it in. It's uh, well, it's it's got two screws in a little uh, little metal piece uh, to hold it into the sash. Yeah. yeah. So uh, you know, it's just pulling it in in the middle of the sash. That's it. So uh, and then obviously what you're talking about is that when you have multiple locking points, when you pull that awning window in, say with a UPVC awning, it's actually locking into these little lugs and it's pulling it in tight and actually locking it into that frame. So just want to clarify the difference between that of anyone listening as well, that um, there's, a, there's a huge difference there, like, especially with air tightness um, when we're looking at high performance. And good, good for acoustics as well. Of course, yeah. So anyone who's living near a main arterial road or highway or anything as such, you know, like just that just um, peacefulness that can exist in the home when there's no noise coming through, tra- transferring through, is just, yeah, that they actually... Um, they actually say that it's it's really um, damaging to mental health with having constant just exposure to acoustics. So if you're sleeping and yeah. just constantly exposed to noise from roads, like just even upgrading your windows to something that has um, the ability to reduce the transfer of sound through can just yeah improve even your well-being in the home and the, of the occupants. So. If you start to muck around with the glass thicknesses, so you've got you've got special acoustic lamps you can put in. If you don't want to go that far. You can just go and uh, vary the two thicknesses. So, as an example, mm. a piece of six and a piece of four. And what it does is it is it cuts out uh, a couple of different frequencies because when you've got a certain frequency that will travel right through the four mil, you've got the six mil blocking it. You get to another frequency and that'll go straight through the six, but you've got the four mil blocking it. So it's good to vary your uh, vary your thicknesses of glass as well if if it's an acoustic thing you're trying to address. Thank you for listening to the Outlier Podcast. You can find helpful links and contact information regarding this episode in our show notes and on our website, outlierstudio.com.au forward slash podcast. If you like our show, please leave a review and make sure you subscribe to never miss a new episode. If you have further questions for us or would want to share some additional feedback, please feel free to DM us on Instagram or Facebook. Until next time on the Outlier Podcast.